Hello everyone, before we get started on this week's episode, I'm here to give a quick content warning. Today, Eli and I will be touching on some topics that may be sensitive to some. These topics include mental illness, stigma, and suicidal ideation. If you are sensitive to these topics, please take care of yourself. Perhaps skip this episode for now, and we'll catch you next time on LCWS After Dark. Hello, I'm Melissa. And I'm Eli. And welcome to LCWS After Dark. After Dark. We had to record that twice because um, we forgot our intro because we did most of the recording in a batch last semester. Yeah, like at least two months ago. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, I think we did most of it, what, in November? Like early November. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did it all in one go, pretty much. Pretty much. Two tries. So we're back. All right, so today we are going to talk about two things we are uniquely qualified to talk about. Just a little bit, eh? Just a little bit. So today we're going to be talking about neurodivergent people and neurodivergent characters. So, Melissa, like always, uh, tell us your 100% professional opinion. What is being neurodivergent? I feel like whenever you ask me these questions, I'm supposed to have like already prepared like a full like essay styled answer to this. And it my mind just blanks every single time. It makes me laugh because I do this to you every single time. So I don't know why you I don't, don't know think why it's happen. I don't No, I expect it to happen, but I'm never ready for it either way. <laughs> You're like, I know this is going to happen. I'm just you know what? It's just ha- it is how it is. Well, yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. The short of it is that neurodivergence is a divergence from what is characterized as the norm in our society, which in a way can be a bit problematic, but it's just a difference in the way people think compared to what has been the accepted norm for a very long time. I'm going to give an even easier explanation. It's anyone who has, usually, a mental illness or a mental disorder. That is much simpler. I'm sorry. I'm a psychology (laughs) student. Yeah, this is is right up your alley. (laughs) Melissa's going to give you the complicated things, and I'm going to dumb it down for you. Thank you. I honestly appreciate that so much. (laughs) Yeah, Melissa's got the official education. I have... Tumblr education. So I've never really been on Tumblr. No, I was okay, for people who are listening, Tumblr, if you want to figure out where people with mental illnesses are, they're on Twitter and they're on Tumblr. Um, I've also never been on Twitter. <laughs> uh don't. <laughs> Just, don't Just don't go on there. It's fair. it's a cesspool. Um yeah, I got severely radicalized on Tumblr to the point where it caused some mental illnesses. So, I would not recommend. That's fine. I mean, you can curate it like anything else, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also very US-centric. Anyway, getting back to uh, the actual point. Mm -hmm. um, Anyone who has uh, anxiety, anyone with depression, 
anyone who has autism or anything that affects your mental state in a permanent way is considered a uh, neurodivergent. Yeah, it's when those sort of things affect your everyday life. So, mm-hmm. uh, if we're going to talk about the main things people say when, or the main things people think about when they're talking about neurodivergence, um, obviously, the main two that come to mind and that are most spoken of are uh, autism and ADHD. That is, I believe, uh, where the term originated in the first place. I could be wrong. Fact check me. Um, so what is autism? Autism is a developmental disorder. The easiest way to explain it is that... Actually, I'm going to lean on you, Melissa, for a second. I'm going to be the psychology student here for a second. People who don't have autism have these things called uh, mirror synapse, I believe. Synapse? Is that, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, mirror neurons, yes, I'm assuming. Yes, mirror neurons, that's what it is. Too. So using those, people are able to basically empathize with each other and sympathize and go, wow, this person's making this face. So probably it means this, because I make this face when I feel that and things like that. Um, for those of us with autism, that doesn't happen. We don't know why, but it just, our mirror neurons just don't fire up in the same way as neurotypical people do. So people um, who do not have uh, autism or other mental disorders. So a lot of the reasons why we struggle so much with social cues is because we have to do it by rote memorization, whereas people who don't have autism or other social disorders um, can kind of... It's like learning a language from birth, right? You learn it as you go. People with autism, it's like you're learning Russian starting age 20. So that's a bit about autism, so that explains that. Then ADHD, I believe we both have that, don't we? I am undiagnosed. (laughs) I was given an an informal diagnosis by my doctor. Mm -hmm. She was like, hey, you're this, I'm just not going to actually send you to get a diagnosis because that costs money. And I was like, all right. (laughs) It does. It does cost a lot of money. Yeah, for those who don't know, uh, it can cost easily upwards of $2,000. So the actual assessment itself Mm -hmm. is, I believe, $2,000-ish or more, sometimes up to $4,000. Then that's not including, usually you have to be with a, um, you have to do essentially a cognitive assessment sessions I guess I would call it like for me I was with my childhood psychiatrist and um, it was a lot easier for her to do me but if it's someone you've just met for the first time you'll probably have to spend six months to a year doing sessions with them for them to better assess you Um, Mm -hmm. so that costs a lot (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's because they have to determine if your behavior can be better explained by like maybe another disorder Mm -hmm. Just so that they get it right, you know? Yeah. Because it, it does happen, right? People get diagnosed with one thing, but it's actually something else. Like, for example... Oh, yep. Yeah, exactly. I have a friend who thought it was um, ADHD and childhood trauma. And it was childhood trauma, but actually she had borderline personality disorder as well. So, um, mm-hmm. it, it really is important to take your time. But it is expensive, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
No, it's very un- inaccessible, which is makes it very difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the classics, um, which are anxiety and depression. Woohoo! Would you like to explain a little bit about those for our lucky viewers who don't have it or listeners? I might end up going a little bit to psychology. No, go for it. I'll dumb it down. So depression's typically uh, characterized by this phenomenon that they call anhedonia, which is basically losing the feeling of pleasure in life. Things that used to bring you happiness don't. It's usually called like, considered like very, very deep sadness and... It usually reaches in the f- into like depression when it is long-lasting, impacts your everyday ability to mm-hmm. participate in life. Yeah, that seems to be a consistent thing with the diagnoses I have seen. Um, sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to add okay. um, a lot of the time, like for example, uh, maladaptive daydreaming is where people obsessively daydream but it's not treated unless it's significantly impacting your life and you consider it damaging to your life mm-hmm. and that's on like two different like ways both if people have noticed that it is inf- affecting your life mm-hmm. and if you've noticed the impact that's having in your life absolutely so to dumb down what melissa just said Depression is usually caused by, um, I believe, a lack of serotonin. So when you... That is possible, I will say. They don't entirely know what causes it. Ooh, Um, it's a mystery. Like, a lot of the the way that they treat it is with SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which the idea with those is they prevent the, like reabsorption of serotonin Mm -hmm. so that there's more serotonin just hanging out in your brain sort of thing they've noticed that it improves symptoms of depression they don't know why though interesting as far as i'm currently aware yeah it's very interesting okay so for another dumbed down explanation sometimes happy chemical don't absorb right and make brain sad so now sure. we got uh, police cars in the distance. Great. And anxiety. And uh, so the thing about um, a lot of these disorders is that they are very, very strongly linked. For example, I have no issue telling people my problems on the internet because I tell people in real life because I'm autistic and I have no boundaries. So I'm autistic. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have a couple of other disorders as well. And the main thing with me is rather than treat all of those separately, um, treating the depression is the most pressing thing because my depression is causing me anxiety and my anxiety is worsening um, some of the unfortunate symptoms of autism and then that increases the depression and anxiety because I'll be ostracized from society or I feel like I'm not fitting in, which makes me feel isolated and it's a vicious cycle, right? And so it is absolutely a vicious yeah, cycle. So it's really important that once you get the first thing treated, a lot of the times the symptoms from the other uh, disorders or mental illnesses will subside a bit. So that's something to keep in mind when mm-hmm. you're writing characters is whether or not they're getting treatment. 
because the way oh this is gonna sound mean I was gonna say the way a person who has treatment handles their mental illness and the way a person who does not have treatment handles a mental illness is very 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 different and it will look different as well yes and it will look different of course and it depends on if they have support from their family members if they even know they have mental illnesses I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was eight years old. I did not know about it till I was 18. Not because my mom didn't tell me, because I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, God, why am I so stressed all the time? My mom's like, you have anxiety. And I was like, what? Got medicated, feel a lot better. There's also a huge stigma around, um, around medication. I don't know. Did your family ever have a thing about medication? Yeah, so medication, very heavily stigmatized in my household. Mm -hmm. Lots of judgment towards people who did not fit the mold of society, even though we as a family did not fit that mold at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's interesting the way they like interlink in ways where you're a family that doesn't quite fit the expectations so then you fixate a little bit on those societal expectations i know we're kind of moving out of neurodivergent territory here but this is kind of an interesting thing you'll see with minorities um is that there's a tendency to um oppress other minorities in an attempt to i don't know kind of enforce the social hierarchy and feel better about yourself like for example um people like the families who say oh we don't we don't have problems we're a good family and they're struggling economically but they're a better family than everyone else no one else has such a good family life um when actually they have a lot of troubles under the surface it's still something because like we're socialized from such a young age to do that to participate in this culture of judgment and comparison that that you'll find that it happens unconsciously a lot more than you'd like which makes it very important to constantly be evaluating yourself and your ideas and your implicit biases even in things as simple as uh you know when people are like oh i only got uh i don't know six hours of sleep last night and someone's like oh yeah well i got three and it's like okay bro it's not a competition Mm -hmm. just small things like that people are always Mm -hmm. trying to one-up each other moving back to uh neurodivergence have you if you're comfortable talking about it ever taken uh medication or gotten treatment for your mental mental illnesses or disorders or disabilities and how did that go for you because it's not always positive Sort of. It's complicated. I have a very complicated history for this sort of thing. I have gone to therapy before and didn't vibe with, like, the therapist, so I stopped going. And I have been on SSRIs before, and it was like this weird loop of being anxious about, um finances causing, like, more anxiety, making me think that the medication wasn't working very well, to... Just like, it just became this weird cycle of anxiety (laughs) about the things that's supposed to help me with my anxiety, but then getting more anxious because of the financial burden and being like, yeah. So for, this is a good example of how experiences can be different because I come from 
Uh, my family was lower class when I was younger, and then we moved into the middle class um, when my mother began working. And my mother um, has always encouraged us to reach out for help for mental health. Um, she got me a therapist when I was younger because I was expressing suicidal tendencies um, due to extreme bullying when I was in um, elementary school, uh, to the point that I was actually uh, suicidal at the age of, what, eight or nine, I think? This is also a good example of how a lot of people think that it happens in older people and that it can't happen to young people or it's, I don't know, it's your own fault for getting it. I can tell you as a eight or nine year old who was just minding my own business at school, it was not my fault and it's not anyone's fault that they have mental illnesses. How they deal with it? Sure. There are definitely healthy and unhealthy ways to deal with it. But um, I think it's important to acknowledge that everyone is different and what triggers a mental illness in one person won't trigger it in another person. But either way, doesn't matter. Everyone should be treated with respect and dignity. But as someone who's in a middle class family, I have advantages that Melissa doesn't. I can afford to take on like the cost of getting medicated because I have my family supporting me and we're middle class. But I don't know if that's true for you, Melissa, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm just lucky because my extended family uh, is a lot more like yours. It's luck of the draw. Very good example of how different experiences will yield very different results. Yeah, so something, this is another interesting point. Um, my family has a history of mental illnesses and my mother has broken the cycle of several things in our family. She would often feel like she was punished for those kinds of things. So she did not do that to myself and my sister and we're very lucky for that. Um, and also the way people display their, or I know we're just talking about mental illnesses right now. <laughs> people, specifically anxiety and depression, the way we display it is different. For example, I don't know what your anxious tendencies are for you but mine tend to make me, I overwork myself, I cannot relax, I will work months and months ahead of a course and be stressed out because I can't finish it, and I will be hyper, hyper productive. Oh, I'm the opposite. I won't be able to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> some people get paralyzed, and then some people yeah. work themselves into the ground. Um, exactly. I definitely get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. So... These are all excellent ways of showing how these things work. And I really, really encourage you to talk to other people in your life um, who you may know that have uh, depression or other mental illnesses or, um, you know, just anything in general. Just talk to them about it because A, it's good for you to know about it. And B, it will also make you a more empathetic person and therefore a better writer. Yeah, combating those stigmatized socializations because mm -hmm. it's, sometimes it's very different the way that you think about and react to mental illness when it is somebody that you know. Oh, absolutely. Something else we wanted to talk about. Speaking of uh, reacting well to different kinds of people, Let's talk a little bit about dissociative identity disorder, being a psychopath, <clears throat> excuse me, 
excuse me, being a psychopath and um, things like schizophrenia. So mm-hmm. those disorders um, in some people evoke fear. Um, in some people, it evokes frustration or it depends on your life circumstances and what experiences you've had. But a lot of people tend to be afraid um, of them in public. Mm-hmm. Or even just psychopaths in general. People use it in yeah. in phrases all the time, like, oh, you're such a psychopath, or that guy's a psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Melissa? Oh, I have so many thoughts on this. Um, for one, the media has a tendency to portray um, a lot of deviant sort of behaviors, like putting them side by side with mental illnesses, especially when it comes to like dissociative identity disorder, psychopathy. When it comes to psychopathy, people tend to assume that something that serial killers are when in reality a very small percentage of serial killers have psychopathy Mm -hmm. i can't imagine it's actually that much higher than what the non-psychopathic uh killers are like the chances of someone who's not a psychopath and the person who is a psychopath becoming a killer i can't imagine they're actually too far off from each other no i mean a lot of serial killers are quote-unquote normal people you know Mm -hmm. they don't display any of these those sort of symptoms that go hand in hand with psychopathy i was actually talking about this with a friend of mine who has a minor in criminology and part of the thing that fascinates us both is it's there's kind of a societal obsession with making sure that we don't see these criminals or especially killers as human um that they Mm -hmm. have to be monsters they have to be um freaks or mentally ill there has to be something wrong with them when in reality when you think about it what do animals do in the wild this is just what we've been doing for hundreds of thousands of years do i agree with it no i don't think you should kill anyone i think that's a bad idea so don't do that but I don't think that means something is necessarily wrong with our psyche. This is something that's relatively new to our society, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And then these ideas are pushed through movies, TV, people talking about it on movies and TV, Mm -hmm. whether they're actually depicted or not. And then certain pieces of media depicting or talking about this sort of thing becoming really popular, like the movie Split. Yes, that is such a bad portrayal. Yeah, and you have, like, this taking away of the humanity of the character as well, because I I haven't actually seen the movie, but I know there's, like, a beast or something that's, like, hurting people that is, like, an altar of the main character, which is a very, very dangerous uh, depiction, because once you take away the humanity of characters with mental illness... And people, it, it, it reflects onto people and you start looking as people with mental illness as if they lack some fundamental part of being human, which is very dangerous. Yeah. And also, um, one thing that really bothers me as well is the idea that, so for those who don't know, dissociative identity disorder is the, um, the, basically I'll call it the new name for multiple personality disorder. The idea is before a child has the chance to form a permanent sense of self, a horribly, horribly traumatic event happens that causes them to split 
themselves into fragments to protect themselves. So often there will be um, a person who, I'm going to refer to them as people by the way, because while they are in one body, my personal uneducated opinion is that each of them are distinct individuals. So each one of them, each altar, as we'll call them, um, one may contain the trauma from when they were a child, one may contain trauma from when they were um, in middle school, one may be a defender, the person who is supposed to stay strong and protect everyone else. One person might not even know that they have dissociative identity disorder. Actually, this is very common. The host, um, the person who's in charge of the body most, often doesn't know that this is happening. Um, so I think it's really important to not demonize these people because as Melissa said, fiction can influence reality. How we react to things and how things are portrayed in the media can heavily, heavily, heavily impact how people are seen in the real world. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And with that point, I want to say that people with these stigmatized disorders are more often to be the victims of violence than to actually mm -hmm. perpetrate violence. Yeah. It, they are, unfortunately, they tend to be very easy to take advantage of. Um, in the sense that, especially if you have someone who has child alters, so let's say the person is in their 20s or their 30s or even older than that, um, there could still be a person within that body who is still mentally the age of 8 or younger who could take control and therefore easily be taken advantage of. Talking about um, psychopaths, something that I find interesting, I have never had a verified encounter with one, let's say. I've never had someone come up to me and be like, hey, I'm a psychopath, want to chat? I imagine that doesn't happen very often. Psychopaths I find very interesting as an autistic because a lot of our traits are very similar. Um, they, ha they struggle and obviously um, I believe due to the makeup of their brains either cannot um, emotionally empathize or have a very, very low level of it, um, which is often um, very similar to autistic people who struggle to connect with others. And autistic people do tend to be thrill chasers as well, which psychopaths who have a very low... Um, the way I've heard it described is that their emotions are kind of dialed down to if if we're at a 10 they're kind of dialed down to a three or lower again uneducated opinion take this with a grain of salt but autistics tend to be thrill seekers too because we seek, seek stimulation so anyway just in my time chatting with hypothetical psychopaths online i find them very similar Autistics. And really everybody's just kind of, for the most part, trying to figure out how to best fit into the world and mm -hmm. not so much to quote unquote fit in and be a part of like the crowd, but just to, you know, be content and live, live their, their lives. lives. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel when people talk about, oh, well, we got to do something about it. 
anytime people are talking about pretty much anything with any marginalized group, I'm like, okay, but are they actually doing anything that's hurting anyone? Like, I might not agree with what they're doing. I don't agree with a lot of mainstream things either, but that doesn't mean I'm like, yo, guys, we just shut it down. You guys believe in horoscopes? Um, no. Ban those. Like, <sighs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but I guess my I guess our point is people just want to live their lives and do what they want. So just live and let live unless something bad is happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And all of this like conversation around disorders is important. It plays a part in writing them because yes, like writing neurodivergent characters, because it is really important to be aware that regardless of your experience, that there will be implicit like biases that exist and it's important to be aware that they exist so that when you're going to write a neurodivergent character you know to research well, listen to people who actually have a lived experience mm -hmm as a neurodivergent person and read their books exactly read books written by neurodivergent people portraying neurodivergent people and don't let your assumptions run wild because mm -hmm. then that's where stigma is formed and this is where write what you know comes in mm -hmm. so you may have heard about this from let's say uh writing characters of color writing queer characters, a lot of people say, okay, don't write these characters, write what you know. Um, the thing is, of course, as a writer, you aren't going to know everything. And you'll be like, well, if I, how am I supposed to write anything if I can't know everything about this? Well, really, it's research. Do your research, talk to people, and do your best. Let people criticize you and see what they believe you did is wrong um and like melissa said the whole point of this conversation is just learn that people are people even with even with their mental disorders even with their disabilities people are people we for the most part love we laugh we want to have fun we cry it is this what it is so you could even have people in your life that they don't know or you don't know that you have a mental disorder or a mental illness. So, yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is do your research, write us like people, we aren't monsters, we aren't people only in mental institutions, we're just like anyone else, really. Mm-hmm. The world is a complex place. People are complex. And should it be treated sure as such, as with the care in dignity and human decency, even if they are characters, because mm -hmm. they then represent, maybe that's the only time someone isn't, like, reading a character that's neurodivergent, then they represent in a way, not that they should, but sometimes that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Shall we briefly talk about Kiefer's little writing piece on lauriecreativewritingsociety.wordpress.com? Yeah. Little plug there. So what Kiefer wrote um, is actually more of an image than it is a um, writing piece, I guess. It's, it's a combo. Yeah, it's something you'd call a concrete poem. Yeah. Which combines 
words that make up an image. I'm glad you knew what it was. I got you. I'm a poetry nerd. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it says, when does the fire that lights you go out? Does it continue until my life snuffed out? So when does the fire, is it brown, that lights you goes out? Does it continue until my, and then it goes into gray, like smoke, life snuffed out. So it's meant to look like a cigarette. I don't know uh, much about Kiefer's history with cigarettes. So this is all going to be speculation. We're not going to look too deep into it because that's not polite. From this is kind of interesting uh, if we're talking about mental illnesses or uh, mental disorders. A lot of the times, if you have something like bipolar disorder or you have an addiction, you'll go and go and go and go and go for this thing, but then you'll crash, right? So when does it end? Does it just go until you die, I think is what he's maybe implying. Yeah, people who suffer from addiction, the, the cravings, the urge... Mm-hmm. to chase after those substances, whatever they might be, whether it's sugar, smoking, anything else. Like, you know, phone addiction's a real thing. The internet addiction's a real thing. What happens is that urge never goes away mm-hmm. when it becomes an addiction. And you can still live a fulfilling life with that. Um, but, you know, it makes life a struggle sometimes Mm -hmm. so have compassion for people (laughs) yeah we didn't really talk about addiction but addiction is another kind of um mental disorder or mental illness um that is heavily stigmatized yes i have had some experiences with people with addiction where it was not so pleasant but you know and i'm guessing other people have as well you know like thievery or Mm -hmm. um kinds of assault, but I think it's really important to recognize, A, these people aren't in their right mind. Um, Addiction, like Melissa said, you're chasing and chasing and you don't even realize what you're doing. And it's, you don't have to, if you have someone in your life that is fueled by addiction and nothing that you do is getting through to them, it's okay um, to not engage. It's okay to just, like, if you've just been trying forever and ever and there's nothing you can do, you you just have to let go. You still respect them and you still love them, but sometimes, just like other mental illnesses, um, anxiety, depression, I encourage people to not drown along with them. Sorry, that was kind of dark. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very complex topic that might be too complex for exactly yeah. for this writing podcast okay let's move on to yours which is not necessarily lighter but (laughs) no it's it's not so this piece is called a dream and i wrote it during one of our lcws meetings where we used music in the background as inspiration sort of thing we just like listened to the music and wrote and this is what came out of one of the times that i was writing A dream, oh so far away, deep within the recesses of my mind. It's there, I can feel it, yet, try as I might, with all the strength I have, I cannot remember. I cannot remember the world full of light and color. 
I cannot remember the happy sounds of our laughs, the brilliance of our smiles. Everything touched with the cold blue of sadness, regret. Alas, I cannot remember the picture well enough to tell. My memory is a blur of emotion. I cannot tell one from another, ink bleeding through the page, mixing together until everything is gray. Damn. This is a good poem. <laughs> Sorry. Just going to pat myself on the back a little bit because it's beautiful. Yeah, I really like it. I feel <laughs> like the... Um, I've always associated uh, depression with a kind of gray, but the soft blue also fits it really well. It, it reminds me a lot of... Um, obviously, the SSRIs didn't work for you, um, but for me, when I first got on them, I was like, oh my god, everything feels so much easier it's it really is like a whole new world for those of us that get treatment that works um like not remembering what life was like before um you know like people with depression and anxiety can still laugh they can still smile um but it's dulled like you said here Inks bleeding through the page, mixing together until everything is gray. Like everything just kind of, it's just kind of like, eh. Imagine playing like a, a video game and it's kind of like, it's not your favorite, but it's all right, I guess. So you just keep playing it. Mm-hmm. Just kind of keep going through the motions, even though it's not your favorite thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I guess, <laughs> if you've ever played a video game and you really like that game, but then you start had to like start grinding and grinding and grinding and it feels like it'll never stop and you get so frustrated that you have to quit the game. That's what it feels like. I'm usually like that with games that have like you you have time, like you have to wait for things to <laughs> like Yeah, that's a mood. Finish before you can like harvest them or whatever. Oh uh, yeah. Side note but when you have to yeah. do it for a quest. Oh that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to talk about with your poem there? It's been a while since I've read it, but I, I can still, like, feel it. Mm-hmm. And this, like, imagery of a dream kind of worked well as a metaphor because I have a lot of dreams that I tend to remember mostly, but there's just, like, so many details that are just fuzzy. You can't quite remember them, but you know what kind of happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can talk about the dream, like, oh, I had this weird dream and this happened, but... And there's like bits and pieces missing um, where it's kind of like you almost know the overall picture, but can't quite. And I felt like it was a very good metaphor for that idea of memory when you are having going through a depression and have trauma because trauma is another thing that affects memory very heavily. Oh, absolutely. It's very common for people who have childhood trauma to not remember parts of or most of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it... it changes the structure of your brain it affects so many aspects of your brain and you your brain chemistry and it also affects like your body all right uh any last words you would like to share before we head out check out our wordpress um specifically for the cigarette image yes well thank you everyone for listening this has been lcws after dark with eli and melissa So have a great rest of your week and good night, everyone. Bye.